How's it going guys? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the episode number 28 of the Studio 7 Fitness Podcast with your host um, Michael Lindsay. Hope all is good and you had a fab week. Um, thanks again to Rosie Farrell who came in last week for the podcast. Um, amazing story. I'm talking about her journey with um, an MS um, diagnosis and uh, really inspiring so a lot of comments on that. Um, today's guest, um, I'm delighted to um, to say, is a part two. Um, really good, probably the most listened to podcast was this gentleman's first one. Um, so I'm delighted to welcome Jerry Hussey back to the podcast. Um, Jerry is Ireland's leading health and performance coach, and um, as I said, amazing comments and feedback that he got and I got on the first one and, and Jerry came to me and said, look, you know, I'd be happy to do a Q&A based on the first podcast. And I was like, well, delighted to hear that. So i um, really looking forward to it. And I've got a good few questions off members and clients and and I'm delighted to put them to Jerry. And uh, yeah, so um, without further ado, let's get into it. So welcome, Jerry, back to the Studio 7 Fitness Podcast. Hey, Michael. I'd like to thank you for coming back on, Jerry. <clears throat> and um, I know you got a good bit of feedback and stuff from people who heard the podcast um, uh, on your side and decided to come back and do a Q&A. So, um, you know, delighted to, to hear that, that it went down well. And uh, always a pleasure to talk to you and to get you on a second time is is amazing. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we might as well crack into it, Jerry, and um, we'll ask the first question. So question one, Jerry, um, this comes from uh, Susan. First of all, she can't wait to read your book <laughs> and um, she's looking forward to your project with the happy pair as well. But her question is, where does one start to begin to rediscover and reactivate one's inner self? What simple steps do we need to take to start that journey? Relationship with myself. And if you don't know what that is, sit for 90 seconds in the mirror and just look at yourself and ask yourself, what do I see when I, when I look at myself? What am I proud of? And then ask yourself, what are the thoughts that go through my head when I see myself? Are they helpful or hurtful? Are they constructive or destructive? And as you know, I have this idea that, you know, no amount of green juice will alkalize a toxic self-image. So if there's one starting point, it's become aware of what are the stories I'm running in my mind? What are the beliefs I hold about myself and how do I change that? So my wife, Miriam, is currently finished uh, with our community, Soul Space Community, an amazing 21-day self-esteem body image challenge. It is powerful where it gets people to literally sit in front of the mirror every day and echo through these questions and feel the emotions that come up. Um, so that's where I start. What is the relationship I have with myself? When you understand the relationship you have with yourself, then you understand why you need to be distracted so much. You understand why the same things keep happening to your life because, as I said before, a, bu a building can't be bigger or different than the size of its foundations, and your life can't be bigger or different than the size of the relationship you have with yourself. So that's the starting point. And it's not always easy because the starting point might be, I actually, I don't know who I am or I don't like who I am. I'm embarrassed by who I am. I'm embarrassed by my body shape. I'm embarrassed by my past. I'm embarrassed. 
and that is perfectly okay. It is you need to meet every emotion as if it's a beautiful emotion because it's a single piece of advice. And then once you know what the relationship you have with yourself, you can either spend the rest of your life running from it, or you say, I'm going to change this. And you have to commit to changing it slightly every single day. That, that's brilliant. And I find from experience there with clients, you know, sometimes literally they, they want, they turn away from the mirrors in the gym. They don't want to even look at their own image. You know, it's very sad. Like, um, and then over time when the confidence gets, you know, gets better and they get used to the place and they might drop a little bit or whatever they, you know, and they start to fit into clothes, you know, it, but it's amazing that, that, that we can't even look at our own image, you know, um, and we've got to come And if you look at positive affirmations and negative affirmations, and I know we both believe in this because you can't not believe in it. Yeah. But every single time you, you, you don't want to look in the mirror is every time you say to yourself, I'm not good enough. Yeah. I'm not pretty. I'm not beautiful. You are affirming your own negativity every single day. And we have to stop. It has to stop. And the only person that can stop is us. So become aware of, oh, I don't like the way I look. I, I can't look. Or, every time you say that, you are rejecting yourself. And you're creating this split between the person you want to be and the person that you are. But the per- you can't become anything without utilizing the person that you are. So it's like me and you going to Dublin in a car, and then I decide that your car isn't the car I want to be in, so I jump out. <laughs> But well, I'm not going to get to Dublin now, and if I do, it's going to be long. You can't just reject yourself and leave. You have to say, right, if I am to become that person that I want to be, it is me that has to become it. And all positive transformations begins with self-acceptance and self-love. How do I learn to love myself more? And how do I learn to stop saying things that is a rejection of the person I am right now? Yeah, no, 100% agree, and that can be so destructive. And then wonder why you're not moving forward is because, as you said, you haven't, <clears throat> you haven't, you know, believed in yourself and what you can achieve. Um, no, brilliant, brilliant answer to that one. Um, brilliant, Jerry. We'll, we'll we'll keep going. There's a Roshi question from Roshi, and she's a big fan, by the way. <laughs> in regards to making changes, Jerry, what would you recommend? Would be say three non-negotiables. Either you do, or what you'd recommend people to do. Um, and uh, part two of the question was, what does Jerry do on a bad day? <laughs> yeah, um, for me, the first thing, Mike, is consistency. Um, and it's 15 minutes, if it is 15 minutes, it could be uh, 30 minutes. The more, the better. But 15 minutes is 1% of your day. Give yourself the gift of 15 minutes every day. If you can't find 15 minutes in your day, it it's says something about how important you think you are. And in that 15 minutes, ask yourself, what is my heart? What is my soul? What is my body asking me for now? So sometimes that 15 minutes might be yoga, it might be meditation, it might be physical training session. It doesn't matter what it is. It might be sitting down journaling. It might be doing the mirror challenge. But every single day, we need to nourish ourselves. So I break it into mind, body, spirit. So I do something every single day. Sometimes it's 15 minutes, the bare 15 minutes. And sometimes it's two hours. But the key is I can honestly say I do something every single day and there's no excuses. One time ago, my excuse is I'm too busy. Until someone says, why are you so busy? Well, you know, I start working, blah, blah, blah. What time do you get up? I get up at half seven, get up at half five. And getting up at half five is transformative. There's no reason to be in bed till eight o'clock unless you're on a night shift or something. 
So you have to create space. If the life you dream of and the inner peace that you desire is important enough, you'll find 15 minutes. And maybe it might also require you to stop saying yes to everybody else and stop saying yes to everybody else's happiness and everybody else's health and abandoning your own. So that's the first habit. Consistently turn up every single day for yourself and do it for 100 days and then review if it's working. The second question, what do I do on a bad day? Uh, the first thing is I start every day by asking myself a simple question. How do I feel right now? And meet that emotional kindness and compassion. I wake up some mornings, I'm tired. I was tired this morning. I had an early morning physical session this morning. I was tired yep. because I was up half the night reading the book, writing the book. So I said, fine, that's tired. So just do the session that is appropriate for you this morning. Some mornings I wake up anxious. Some mornings I wake up bouncing with energy. So I just ask myself, how do I feel right now? And then the second question is, do I want to stay in this emotion all day long or do I want to change it? And then if I want to change it, what will change it for me? Sometimes it's, as I said, meditation. Sometimes it's getting up, putting on some nice loud music and shadow boxing because I love boxing, pretending I'm uh, fighting Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> Sometimes it's saying a prayer. I find for me, because of my faith, prayer is so important to me. Um, it is find something early in the morning to not let that bad day continue. If we can break the cycle of the bad day in the first 90 minutes, it's broke for the day. So really, really honor yourself in your morning routines. Really honor yourself. Ask yourself the question, how am I feeling? What's the story that's running through my head right now? What's the emotion I feel? And do I want to bring this with me for the rest of the day? Or do I want to stop it and change it? And then you have a toolbox of stuff built up that you know works for you. And then go do that. But it's about honoring yourself in the morning. Yeah, that's brilliant. And what you find is, isn't it, Jay, where people get up and they snooze for a few times and then once they can't, then they're running late and then they're getting into this stress response state and then they end up not having a great day. So as you said, that's it's it's making that decision and making that choice, as we said before, and we were talking about Descartes and things in the last one was is the power of choice and, you know, get up an hour early, half an hour earlier, you know, and as you said, if you do that for 100 days, you already create that habit. So. But he says you've got the, that, that ability and to. My dad, my dad, you know, always said to me when I was staying, getting up at like eight, half eight in the morning and staying up till 12, one, he, one, at, one at night, he used to say to me, you're trying to extend the day at the wrong end. And I never really knew what he meant. That's brilliant. Yeah. So if you want an hour of peace to relax, to read a book, don't be doing it at 10, 11 o'clock at night time. Get up in the morning and have it. It's, we know from physics, we know from science, that the morning time is the time you want to be up. Now, of course, if you're on shift work, well, that's a different reality. We need to very specific practice. Anybody who works shift work needs to know that shift work needs a very special routine to make sure it works. And But if you're not on shift work and you can be up at half five, it means then that come nine and 10 o'clock at night time, you're exhausted and you're going to bed. But again, as I said before, ask yourself, what are we actually doing between 10 and half 11 at night time? And very often it's not even productive. We're just scrolling on the phone. Or, Netflix. So. Yeah, Netflix. So extend your day at the right, at the right end. Perfect, Jerry. I think that's, uh, that's great advice there. Um, Christoph, the next one is an anonymous question there that came in. You, you mentioned, Jerry, how a lot of us tend to live in this threat state. Um, 
I would be quite a nervous and an anxious person generally. And with COVID, etc., has increased this because everywhere I look, it's COVID. This COVID that. How can I get out of this sort of negative spiral? So I would say every day I would do what I do. Every day I have a little newsreel that I have on the wall of my kitchen. And it starts with how much COVID is in my house today? Okay. So that's the first thing. There is no COVID in my house. How many of my families have COVID? None. That's the second zero. What is the, what is the amount of choices I can make today to improve my health? Infinite. What are the things that I'm grateful for right now? So people say we're bombarded with COVID left, right, and center. I'm not. Because I choose what I choose. I choose what I listen to and I choose what I don't. Now, of course, we can't live in denial. It's out there. We need to tune in. We need to study some research papers. But ask yourself sometimes, if you're listening, to, if you're waiting for a politician to tell you the truth and the science behind COVID, you're in the wrong place. Find a scientific article, find a scientific review, take the narrative out of it, take the mistruths out of it, take the emotion out of it, and build a bank of good news every single day. So start your day by asking some really good questions. Questions like I said before, what percentage of the Irish population don't have COVID right now? Instead of to have COVID, who doesn't have COVID? Exactly. So expose yourself. Uh, expose yourself to better news, more firm news. Ask yourself, you know, what are things I can do today to make sure, A, I don't get it, and B, to be calm. And then put your time and energy into things you want, not the things you fear. Brilliant advice. Um, and as you said, people tend to doom and gloom, and what comes up on their feeds is generally because that's what sells, you know, that's why they gain clicks onto the, the negative stories, dead more than the positive stories, if I think you mentioned before as well. So again, choosing, you know, don't worry, you're not being papers and going on to news outlets and things like that. So as you said, you can um, you can comp- compartmentalise it in your house and that's a brilliant way of doing it. Zero, zero, yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, brilliant. Um, this next question is from Michael. He's a gym owner from Kalani. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, this is mine. I snuck one in. So what fascinated me during the last few years kind of studying the mind and things is how gut health is so important. Um, and it, it made me bring me back to when I was young and I didn't know about that. You know, I was quite an anxious or self-confidence was low, but I was very good, just tend to be good at sport. I just happened to be good at different sports, which was, it kind of saved me, I think, in regards to making friends and, and social interactions. But I used to get a lot of tummy upsets before or after games and stuff. And, um, you know, no, it might not have been, but like when I get older and I'm kind of looking more into this area about how how important gut health is and that, that sort of relationship it has to stress and anxiety. So just maybe touch on gut health and how important that is and, and why that is, that connection. Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, you know, you said the mind, body, and spirit are connected. I, I always hated that word because even the word connection implies there are three separate entities connected by a pipe or something. Okay. The whole body is one system. We have to understand that. The blood goes everywhere. Your central nervous system feeds every single piece of your body. The air, so we need to understand the body's one system and everything is perfectly balanced and connected. Now extend that then, everything in the universe is one system. That's what quantum physics shows us. So everything in the universe is one system, everything connects everything. So that's why we can't chop down the Amazon rainforest and think it doesn't affect us. That's why everything is connected. So we know in, in just with the gut, the gut uh, is 
directly related to the brain. It's a good brain axis. The good brain axis with the vagal system, the vagus nerve, we know now that it's actually bi-directional feedback. So we know that the gut has a consciousness of its own. It's making decisions and it's sending those decisions to the brain in the skull. And the brain in the skull is simply implementing the decision that was made by the gut. If, if I can recommend one book, and I'll never forget the name, I'll think of it in a minute, but I think, it's, I think it's The Brain Has a Mind. I think that's the name of the book. We need to realize that the gut and the brain are equal in terms of decision-making. So then we know that the immunity is in the gut. We know that a lot of our serotonin, which is our, our feel-good factor, is produced in the gut. The more we look at the gut, the more we understand it affects our mood, our vitality, and our energy. If there is something unbalanced in our gut, we know it creates so many different, from depression to Alzheimer's to uh, IBS. It's incredible what the gut. If I was to say to somebody, and I'm just off a call with a, a lady that I use as a nutritionist called Maeve Creven, for not a huge amount of money, Maeve Creven will do a screening that will blow you away. And she will explain to you in far greater detail than I can, the importance of the gut, the elements of the gut, the connections between the various aspects of the gut and every part of your body. And if you really want to understand disease, if you really want to understand why people get sick, you have to explore the nature of the gut. So a microbiome isn't just in a gut, it's all over the body. And each of us is unique. We go to a doctor, we go to a pharmacist, and they're generically treating a generic gut. That's what they have to do because they're a mass yeah, it's not specific. They're not specific. And until you can understand your own microbiome, until you can understand the makeup of your own gut, your emotions, your lifestyle factors, and also the environment factors that you're exposed to, then we understand the picture. So what I would say to everybody is read that book. Really find a good nutritionist. And we think we're super healthy. I think I'm super healthy sometimes. And I go to May and we, we, we find some things out of whack. It could be... Cholesterol, and we think cholesterol sometimes got to do with food, but sometimes there's nothing to do with food. Cholesterol is actually a very healthy thing. Cholesterol is what the body produces to offset inflammation. So if you get rid of, of the cholesterol, but you don't change the inflammation, then now the body is nothing to cool the inflammation. And we know if inflammation is actually the cause of most diseases. So we need to change our mind. We've been fed from food companies and pharmaceutical companies. We've been fed mistruths about what cholesterol is, what it does and what it causes. Certainly food plays a huge role, absolutely. But in my case, my, my diet is actually really good and sometimes my cholesterol goes high. So we need to know what are the other biomarkers that move that. What's triggering it? What other things triggering it? Exactly. And then when you look at things like glucose and your adrenaline, your adrenal glands, and all I would say is just please see your whole body is connected. Every single thought drives an emotion. Every emotion ignites a, neuro, a, a neurotransmitter. Those neurotransmitters are flooding around your system. Everything we think about ignites an electric current up and down the central nervous system. And the central nervous system fires that electricity all around the body. Every, phys every biological process is being fired by your thoughts and emotions. And then also your gut, your serotonin levels, it impacts your mood, your ability to think clearly. And when we look at the gut is almost like it's, it's the central organ. And when you have a healthy gut, it's easy to keep the rest of it healthy. 
But if you don't have a healthy gut, it's very hard to keep the rest of it healthy. And I'm not preaching as a speaker. As I said, I'm just literally off the call with Maeve before this. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a couple of indicators there that I really need to, to keep an eye on. And as, as you know, we need to be proactive around, around these things. So if you're waiting for your GP to ring you up to tell you you need to go and get these markers checked, they're not going to do it. Because the GP is there for you when you get sick. When you go in. So be proactive. Find uh, Maeve Creven. She uh, specializes in functional medicine. She organizes an incredible conference every year called the Functional Medicine Conference. Open your mind up up to it. I, I'm not anti-GP. Uh, I go into GP myself when I need to. And in, in certain situations, they're exactly the person you need. But the danger is we tend to only go to GPs after we've gotten sick. It's too late then. Yeah, you want to prevent it before you get to that point. Um, no, I definitely, I'll, I'll add maybe Maeve's details because I, I might give her a, a call myself. Um, so we'll add those in the notes as well. Brilliant. That's excellent, Jerry. We're getting, we're getting through a good few of these now. Um, so next question was, I know you said you, you <clears throat> excuse me, you talked about kind of two ways of being sort of the physical and the non-physical. Mm. How do we eliminate fear and remove ourselves from our comfort zone? Basically, just he added on here in regards to checklist, like he has wife, kids, house, but not particularly happy. I think it's more with work, not the other things, but like work, he's especially is not something that he's passionate about, that he kind of fell into a position and now he seems to be stuck. So um, how how can we help um, this guy out? I think for me, it's all start with the end in mind. So go to the day that you expire and ask yourself, uh, on the day I expire, will I be proud that I stayed in this job? And if the answer is no, then change it. And I know that sounds a little sharp of an answer, but t- life is too short. Yeah. We get 900 months. And I bet if I, if you ask that gentleman a bit further, mm-hmm. is it the work you probably say, yeah, I'm probably bored off my head. Or it's just too stressful. I'm not really interested in this. And the only question you can ask, why are you there? Yeah. Now, of course, they might say, well, it meets the financial need and I have to pay the mortgage and now it's not the time. And I get all of that. So the first question is, do you need to change your career? And it might be yes. And then the next question is, well, when? She might say, well, not for now, not for 18 months, not for two years, fine. And then how? So now you start to create a plan. And even once you have that plan in place, now you begin to feel lighter. Now you begin to make difference. There's nothing worse than being caught in something you can't see the way out. So I'm not saying leave your job and walk out in the morning. Sometimes that is the way to go, but not always. Ask yourself deep down, do I love this career? Is it nourishing me on a, on a spiritual level? Is it what I'm passionate about? Am I, sur- am I surrounded by great people? Do I like coming to work? And if the answer is no to those, then ask yourself, is it time I change career? Yes. When? Set a date. And how? Then start to get some good career advice, some good coaching, start to put a financial plan in place, start to put an exploration plan. Well, what, what other career would I do? What am I passionate about? And don't limit yourself to thinking the career that you could do. What's the one you'd love to do? Don't limit yourself yeah. and, uh, and start from there. So I think that's, um, that's as simple as advice I, I have. It, it's your body, your emotion is sending you these signals for a reason. Yeah. If we suppress them and deny them, we get sick. Exactly. And I think I lived that example myself. Do you know, I think it was... I was nearly falling out of love with the industry. I was going to move. I was going to do something or other. And then that, when I made the decision, and then it took about four or five months while I was still working to, to get the place ready. And 
the landlords were good at the time they gave me the keys. Said work away for a few months, get it ready, and we'll do something in the middle of the year. This was 2017, but it lifted me. It, it took me, you know, I, I had this. I was like, look, and then I was looking at sourcing equipment and, as you said, going to the LEO and getting business plans done. And I was buzzing, you know. It just, as you said, it, it kind of took me from really bottom down low. And again, okay, so I've got a purpose now. I've got that drive back, and I think that's what it's about. As you said, it's, you know, you're going to be a long time working, <laughs> so you want to you want to enjoy it. Um, and it takes up it takes up a third of your life. So we 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 we, we sleep, uh, we work, and then we have other life. So uh, work for most adults, work takes up half their waking day, which is half your waking life. You really got to ask yourself, why am I in this? What's in it for me? Exactly. I think it was he kind of followed on with one which mentioned the 900 months, which is how how do we initiate the gears of emotional and physical needs? So basically, the 900 months that you mentioned on the first kind of blew him away and actually kind of frightened him. So he said, I, I have three, which is probably the reaction you get all the time. Um, he said, I've used 375. <laughs> He's very specific. He said, um, now, did I use them as I wanted? Some yes, some no. Should we start every day with a fresh, clean slate? Is. Yes, I, I have the line that I use, every day is a lifetime and every lifetime is a day. So I think we mentioned this before, every cell in your body is regenerating all the time, we know that. Right now your body is in the process of change. So you're changing, you're exchanging carbon, uh, oxygen for carbon dioxide, your digestive enzymes are breaking down food, your blood is changing, every single cell in your body is changing right now. There's nothing static about you, there's nothing static about this universe, so we know that. So that's the first thing I would say. So when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm not physically, I'm not physiologically, and I'm not chemically the same person that I am right now. The only way I can believe I am if I keep attaching to the memories of the past, and then my mind locks me to the past. The Jerry that wakes up tomorrow morning is not the same Jerry that woke up this morning. My brain is not the same. My gut is not the same. There's no part of me that's the same. So every single day I start again as if it's the new me. And I say, right, what did I learn from yesterday that I can put into practice today? What do I, what would make today a really good day? And that's a neat, nice, simple way then of making sure that if we do have a bad day, we can let it go. So maybe yesterday we didn't exercise, maybe our diet was bad, maybe we had a row with somebody, that's fine, because that wasn't you. That person, that that happened to yesterday is not you. Not physically, not physiologically, not chemically, and once you attach, you detach your mind and energy from it, there's nothing to do with you then, you move on. I think that's I think that's a brilliant way of looking at it, and I haven't quite looked at it before, but it is, it's like people beat themselves up, as you said, oh, I, I, I ate that brownie, or I didn't do that walk around the block, and then that affects them for the whole week, they end up having a bad week, but if you can say literally tomorrow, I'm not gonna be the same person I was today, so that's a new day, fresh start. And that's that's amazing shift of mindset. I really like that. Well, it's even even in boxing, I work with a lot of you know Olympic boxers and, and pro boxers. And a pro boxer in a twelve round fight might actually lose five of those rounds, but he wins seven. That's all that matters. He does. He, he doesn't come back after one after losing one round and sit there. And I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Every boxer I work with works them one round at a time, and then in that minute between rounds, we can change everything. You change the process, you change the outcome. I've seen boxers win and lose all five first rounds. They've lost the first five rounds and they won the fight because they won every round after that. Yeah. So that's the power of being in the moment. That is the power of detaching from the past. We're awakening, what are the learnings? What we don't repair, we repeat. 
So if we don't sit down, if we don't take the learnings, if we don't repair the relationship we have with ourselves, if we don't repair the way we think about things, if we don't repair past and old traumas, then we just repeat all, all, all of the time. And then our future just looks like a past. Yeah. So that idea of waking up every day and realizing that everything in the universe has changed, not just in you, everything in the universe has changed. Everything's new. Yeah. Everything is new. That's brilliant. Really love that. Um, there's a can get a question from it was more of a thank you from a, from a, a person here. And what struck me from episode or the first podcast was, would you talk to yourself the way you talk to a baby? It made a massive impact on me. Uh, I now make a conscious decision to talk better to myself and treat myself with more compassion. And I've added a pic of myself, the child, on the desk at work. <laughs> so thank you for that. So that was a nice uh, you got from that. Um, and just a question I got from that, Jerry, is why do we think we speak the way we do to ourselves and not even dream of doing that to others? Where does that core kind of come from? I think it's because we're looking out all the time and we look around us to other people. So we look for people of significance or parents of significant teachers. Us. The world tells us that certain people are significant. So we look out and then we're only significant if we're significant to those. Okay. So now we're constantly looking out. What happens then is we attach uh, significance to a person, it might be a teacher, who says something negative to us or a parent. And then we feel rejected and insignificant. What we absolutely need is to build, an insignificant, build our own significance from the inside out. So what happens is we hear something negative and then we start to repeat the voice of a teacher, the voice of a parent, or a situation that made us feel not good enough becomes so traumatic that we start to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, and the more we repeat it, then is the more we believe it. So for me, that's the changing. And when we start to shine the light on the inside, when we start to see, like that lady said, our inner baby, we start to become aware of what I'm actually saying to myself. And why would I allow myself to speak like that? And it's like where we start off the very start of this, Michael. If you can't change the way you speak to yourself, if you can't change how you feel about yourself, then I don't know if anything's going to change. But what I absolutely know, because I've lived this myself and I was the harshest critic on myself. There was nothing negative I could say. There was nothing positive I could say about myself. And I changed it. It can change. But it's that commitment every single day to stopping, listening, and becoming aware, becoming the observer. What are my thoughts? What are things I'm saying to myself? And that's not good enough. And then the more I started to repeat things from Louise Hay, like positive affirmations, is the more each time I said it, you fired that brain pathway, you wrapped that pathway in myelin, and suddenly you're creating a new structure in your brain. Now your brain is thinking in a whole new way. So it's that commitment to self-compassion, that commitment to self-kindness, and that commitment to changing what you say to yourself about yourself. Yeah, it's amazing that that, that so that neuroplasticity and, and how people think that that's just the way it is and the way it's always going to be. And I find that quite sad. That they don't think they can, can change. And, you know, I heard on a podcast recently someone talking about it and it was amazing how somebody can decide not to make a change in their life purely on the on the emotional feeling they will get when it fails and it doesn't work. So they're preempting that it's not going to work at all. So no wonder they're not going to move anywhere. So uh, yeah. it's, it's mad. Um, that's what I think just on that note, Michael, is re redefine, well, what I've done in life is redefine failure. I've had loads of stuff in life that didn't work out. Hmm. But I'm so delighted I went after them because somewhere in the middle of all of that, I met somebody, I discovered something that transported me onto something even better. Things not working out is not failure. 
sitting and never having the courage to go after them. That's failure. So redefine, redefine, like at the end of the day, we all die. So don't be too caught up in how things work out, because if you want to really know how things work out, you die. Yeah. Now, the only question is, but well, how much fun, how much excitement, how much adventure do you want before you die? And redefine what's, what failure is. Do you redefine what success is? Success, for me, is can I be kind to myself? Can I experience the joys and mystery in the universe? Can I make peace with the stuff I can't control? Can I experience more love in my life? And can I go after my dreams? That's it. Will it work out? I don't know. You're, you're doing it, you're trying it, like that's, that's, that's the yeah. thing. And like, who knows what working out is? Because the universe knows, their own universe has already worked out. So it will work out. It might just not work out the way you want it, but when you dissolve the human ego, the human ego is a part of us that wants to control, wants to predict, wants to be in charge, and it wants to fight the universe for power. When you give up that crack and say, well, I'll just do my bit. I will do everything I can and see what happens then. Yeah. And then whatever happens then, accept it, embrace it, and keep going again. So for me, I think that redefines failure, redefines success. If you want to know how things work out in the long term, you die. But the question is, how much fun, how much love, and how much adventure do you want before you die? That's up to you. I think that's the key. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And I find that, you know, even if you ask me probably four, three or four years ago, whether I, you know, I was, you know, for most people, probably speaking was probably the, the number one fear. Um, you know, didn't think I'd be doing a, a workshops, let alone doing a podcast and stuff and having people on and people listening. Um, so it, it's, it's got onto a path that I didn't think. And then it, it's just, you know, you know, caused so many positive things then to happen um, in my life through that. And as I said, some things, some things don't work out. Nobody could, could, could you know, realise there was a pandemic coming. You had to close your business a couple of times. But like the sport has been great. And um, look, we're back open today. So as I said, if you, if you don't try, you're not going to know, like, you know, I think that's of the key course, there. Yeah. Of course. Next question there, Jerry. Um, it's just a one on meditation and this person struggles with it. Uh, is it something I can get better at? Um, as in not being distracted as much, maybe any tips just to, to be able to stop um, and create that space that you're talking about? Yeah, I think the first thing is surrender any... Uh, any attachment to what meditation should be. And then sometimes we're so quick a bit like you, Michael, we're five minutes into meditation saying, this isn't working, waste time. And now it's our judgment that's not working, not the meditation. So meditation is simply giving yourself time and space to listen to what's running through your mind. And if your mind is distracted, of course, you're going to hear distracted thoughts in meditation, but that's the purpose of meditation. So write them down. Listen to the thoughts going through your head and ask yourself, is there a passion to these? Is there a habit? So what we need to realize is that our thoughts are not always real and that we don't have to attach them. A thought, which is an electrical fire along a neurological pathway, is over in a millisecond. If you don't ignite it with an emotion, it disappears. So when we become the observer in our own life, meditation is now allowing you to observe, or observe all the thoughts going through your head. Don't get attached in them. Don't get muddled up in them. Listen to them. And at the end of the meditation, ask yourself every day, what was I saying to myself? What was I thinking about? And then after 10, 15, 20 meditations, now you begin to see patterns. Now you begin to realize the stories that are running in your head. Now you're beginning to realize what's going on. But it's simply a habit. 
we have spent years and years building the habit of distraction. So it's going to take a little while to build the habit of concentration. So I would say, have no expectations. There's no wrong meditation. Simply become aware that sometimes your thoughts will be very busy, but don't attach them. Just let them go. And then finally, ask yourself at the end of every meditation, what's the nature of my thoughts? What's the habits? What are my thinking habits that are appearing? Sort of what's recurring, what's, what's coming in more than others, yeah. Hmm. Um, and I found that from people asking questions in workshops saying, oh, I, I can't meditate, you know, I, I can't get a clear mind. And I said, you, it's, you're not going to get a clear mind, you know, thoughts are going to come in. It's it's what you said, it's what you attach your concentration hmm. to. Can, that's why the breath is obviously used as, you know, you know, bring it back and focus in on that. But uh, it's like, and they might think there's going to be this euphoric kind of moment that's going to happen. But sometimes it's just literally create giving yourself space to slow down um and i think you yeah, said before about closing off the senses i think that's a really nice way of doing it so you know and even if it's for five minutes to ten, as you said it's just habit creation so no, it's really good i think people will get a lot from that um so we've got another question and then we'll just do a little final three and then um we're nearly there i know you're you're a busy man um okay uh again this is a question i snuck in there um your good buddies with irish boxer jason quigley um mm. And I listened to a podcast that you two did together a while back, and we were talking about the importance of visualization, and I found that really powerful as well, and how that's used a lot. Um, and my question really is, is how powerful can visualization be, one, and two, can we visualize the life that we want? Um, well, absolutely. So firstly, visualization is, now visualization and imagery get confused. Okay. Imagery is where you actually generate the thought inside your own head. So. When we talk about visualization, when we think of someone lying down with their eyes closed, visualize something in the mind, that's actually imagery. So the first thing is, when you, the reason there's a hole in your eye is not so that you can look out, it's so that light can come in. The reason there's a hole in your ear is so that sound can come in. What you see, the picture that you see, whether you're looking at a podcast image now, whether you're looking at a tree, whether you're looking at that image is constructed inside your skull. Now, I think we really need to become clear that we don't look out. We look see in. Yeah. So what we know now is that your brain uses mul multiple senses to create pictures. And that when you look at a picture, whether you, it's partly because of the vision, partly because of the sound, the smell, it puts a number of stuff together. Now, what the brain do doesn't really know, because it can't know, is whether that image exists outside of your skull or not. Once you create a clear image in your brain with different dimensions in it, and you can add in smells, sounds, sensations, heat, your body, your brain believes that you're at, it's outside your skull. So the picture you see every day is, is created inside your dark skull. So you can replace the picture that you're looking at with a new picture, and the brain doesn't know the difference. Now, what we know then is when you begin to see that and you begin to see yourself in that situation, you begin to see yourself speaking in a certain way, doing certain things, the body does know that you're not doing it, which is another incredible thing. So it still fires the electrical signals to the part of you that should be doing that. So we can actually develop a physical skill by visualization alone. The next thing we're doing now is we're, we're, because we're visualizing and we're thinking and we're using maybe affirmation words, we're firing new pathways in the brain, which as you said earlier, through neuroplasticity, we're building new networks in the brain. So we're building new skills. And then finally, when you see yourself achieving what you want to achieve and you start to feel that sense of 
passion and fun and, and gratitude, it releases a whole new emotion, um, a whole new emotion through your body. So now you're connecting the neurological thoughts, you're connecting that emotion and the chemicals to an event. Then when you start to encounter that event for the, in real life, so you walk into that stadium, you walk into that room for an interview, you walk into that gym floor, your body just thinks, here we go again, sure, I've seen this before, and I know exactly. So we know the brain chunks. The brain instantly makes the decision. I've done this before, and it gives you the same response. So we actually start to replicate what we did in our visualization. That is how we manifest the future. So I use that with every athlete that I work with. It's literally about creating an emotional set, creating a mindset, rebuilding on neurological pathways to give us the infrastructure that we need to execute well when the situation is actually outside of our head. Is that kind of some NLP techniques in there as well, Jerry? Yeah, it's an LP. It's an LP. And uh, and like for me, when, when, when we're training and I take the group I have to physical training session, every single thing we do is affirmation. So if we're warming up, every rotation has a war. Could be ease, peace, joy, fun. So yeah. we're replicating all the time. That's brilliant. And they can tap into that when they're going for that interview or going for that, of course. whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Really love that. Thanks for that, Jerry. Um, okay, we'll do a little final three, which I didn't do on the first podcast. I generally do the guests that come in. So just three questions, not too uh, scary. Um, and then, um, yeah, so question number one um, of your final three. <clears throat> what, if anything, scares Jerry Hussey? <laughs> um, I think for me, uh, now that I'm a dad, I'm a new dad, I think... Uh, not being a good dad would scare me, so I try to be the best dad I can be. Yeah. Or yeah. my little man getting sick. I think that's. I've kind of made peace in myself. I made peace with my own life. But what scares me is my. I want my son to grow up well. I want him to grow up with an opportunity to see life, and I want him to be healthy. And I think that's probably what would scare me. Yeah, that's amazing. Great, great answer. Number two, who inspires you or has inspired you a lot over the years, Jerry? Um, from a literature point of view, I think it's the work of uh, Descartes, uh, that philosopher we spoke about, that realized that all consciousness is subjective. Uh, and now quantum physics, only last week, has a new study out to prove the same thing. But he knew that a long time ago. The work of Descartes is, is inspirational for me. And the book, The Five Regrets of the Dying, I remind them every time they need a kick in the arse to go and do something. Um, uh, the work by Viktor Frankl and um, so they're kind of authors that have inspired me in real life probably no my mom inspires me for kindness trying to the importance of being a kind person my dad inspires me that everything can be fixed if you're willing to work at it and probably no one inspires me at the moment more than my own wife Miriam who's in the same profession as me she just has an incredible mind and at times I'm just flabbergasted by her genius uh, and her gentleness and I know that might sound you know, because I'm biased but I believe that about long before I, I was lucky enough to get to marry her yeah. uh, she's just an inspirational mind she's mind away in some ways um, that is far ahead of my, my thinking um, huh. so yeah she inspires me just, and her, her fearlessness to challenge medicine to challenge traditional models and archetypes that we know are not true 
but she's been challenging these for years and I think she's incredible uh, incredible fierceness that's brilliant that's a lovely answer thanks Jerry for that I think you might have answered the third question it was just a book a podcast an audible or a YouTube clip whatever it is that stopped you in your tracks before and you're like wow this is gold like yeah, just then five regrets of the dying Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning or there's another book similar to Man's Search by me meaning by a lady that walked with her called Edith Edgar and she wrote a book called The Choice Um there's a book, you know, Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton and Louise Hay, You Can Change Your Life, or You Can Heal Your Life. I think with any of those books, you're not going to go too far around. I'm going to go too far. Brilliant, Jerry. And in regards to Soul Space, I know you said uh, before we started about the book, you've got a final edit today, or tonight, of the I first book. today, so please God. And we will be promoting our book very soon, so it'll go on. The cover is all finalised. It'll be released before Christmas. Uh, and it'll be available in March. So pre-orders will go on sale. Um, Soulspace.ie is the business with loads of new webinars happening um, in the new year. But also then we did two really, what I think were two powerful webinar series this year. I think you were on one, if not, you've done both, Michael. I, I actually purchased the Rise one because I couldn't get into it at the time. So I actually, not long ago last week, so I'm going to get into that soon. Oh, brilliant. So what I would say is they're available on the website, so they were all pre-recorded and left there. So people who couldn't attend at the time, they're there to buy uh, soulspace.ie and is where you'll see all our work. And uh, my book is when I, I'm delighted it's here because when I try, I rang up the editing company first and they said, what's your book about? And I said, it's a mix of quantum physics, astrophysics, neuroscience, good health, psychology, spirituality. <laughs> And nearly fell over laughing. Because <laughs> now I hope we're going to try to publish that. But the book has actually come together in a really simple way, and it's 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 life stories and it's shown and the science behind these, but more importantly, how they powerfully connect with everything we do in our own life in a simple way. So um, I'm glad to get it finished. I have to say, um, um, but I'm really proud of the way it turned out. So. That's brilliant. Congratulations on finishing that, Jerry. It's brilliant. Can't wait. Can't, cannot wait. I'm sure a lot of the listeners can't wait to get, get hold of that either. Um, and yeah, so thanks a million again for your time. Um, that was amazing again. <clears throat> and um, as I said, the, the guys who, who listened to the first one, I'm sure they're going to get a lot on this part too. And thanks for coming back in and to do the Q&A. And again, just thank to yourself and Miriam for, for what you do and, and just, you know, you know, you, you kind of giving your lives to helping people, I think is is amazing and um yeah thanks again and um you know if we, if we get that window to get back to williamstown we'll have to have a social right. distance walk around absolutely jump yeah. in the sea or something or other yeah, there's no sea there's no sea there as you know but there's a lake but uh, yeah. definitely michael and listen the work you do is in inspiration i'm asked lots of uh, times to do these things and i, I say no to a lot because Maybe they're not into the same philosophy as myself, or um, but the work you do is is inspirational. The work you do, I I listen to all your stuff. I learn, I take notes, and uh, for me, I think the more we share ideas, I can learn from you, and we can learn from each other. All we need is an open mind. So keep up the great work you're doing, um, and I'm, I'm delighted that you're getting to back back open. You know, the space you create in that gym is really important for people. It's community, it's fitness, it's wellness, it's connection and uh, just keep doing what you're doing it's inspirational and i'm learning off you so thank you i really appreciate that that means a hell of a lot but um yeah and i, I learn every day from you as well so i really appreciate that jerry and uh, uh i hope you have a fantastic christmas but i'll speak to you thank over you. at some stage take care and God, God bless everyone happy christmas to everyone thank Thanks you a lot, jerry take care 
Wow, guys, um, that's a wrap on Jerry Hassey part two. Um, I'm sure you agree that was, again, pretty, pretty special. Um, blows my mind every time. Um, so, yeah, let's let's get this shared. Let's get it um, rated on Apple Podcasts. Let's, let's tag it in your stories and I'll put it up. But no, really, this was probably the first one was one of the most listened to um, episodes that I've done. Uh, to date um, and I'd say this one will probably be the same or more um, but yeah you know it's, it's funny we talked about fear earlier in the podcast and before I even knew Jerry I um, I was at a conference in Kalani it was the, ex- the Balance Expo I think it was the second year I went to see him actually and he was last on again and I was telling people who I'd come with I said you have to just just stay and watch and listen to to this guy and they did and they came out and they were like what just happened <laughs> you just got a way of delivering and a way of connect, connecting with the audience which is which is unparalleled and I remember being at the and the bit afterwards I was out by reception with my friends and um, Jerry was there as well talking to somebody and he was kind of near there about maybe 10 feet away from me and I was saying to my friends um I really want to go up and say hello but um you know, I don't know if I should. And they were like, go up, go up, go up. And I kept on like saying to myself, um, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then I was like, okay, I will. And then I said, no, you can't. And then just so I was going to maybe, I don't know if I was, probably I wasn't, but um, he was called away, I think, to do another Q&A somewhere. So um, yeah, and now he's he's coming on, you know, my podcast for a second time, which is just blows my mind to go from um, not even, you know, have, you know too scared to go up and say hello to him and um now for him to to come on twice is a great honor and um, i really appreciate it um and yeah well you know blown away by his words there at the end so um brilliant guys that's another wrap for another guest and we're going to keep it rolling got a few more lined up and some solo ones as well to keep you going over the the holidays um so yeah uh hope you enjoy it guys if you do let us know and uh let's get it trending All right, guys, thanks a million. Have a fab week, and I'll speak to you soon. Take care, guys.